Right, good morning everybody. Paul is like, oh, thank you. All right, it's actually so nice to see all your faces here this morning. I was wondering what the morning crowd would look like, and it's like the evening crowd, so it's like, I feel, I feel at home. All right, so um, I'm going to start by saying that twice in my life, I have experienced the most significant and magnificent silence. The first time, and uh, yeah, and uh, I must say both instances, um, it literally felt like I'm back in my mother's womb. You know, it's warm and cozy, you know, and, and, and you just feel, yeah, you feel safe. So the first experience was while I was skiing, when it was snowing, and that's, that's quite a difference. So yep, like a, like a typical volley, at a Durban beach, <laughs> you know, because when it starts snowing at the ski resorts, the intelligent people retreat into their cabins, but no, no, not me and my friend Tanya, we like, here we go, and uh, when we started descending the first hill, I, it, it was snowing, and guys, it's, it's, the snow actually shuts out noise, I, I've never experienced it in my life. And I just heard my breathing and the skis making the sound on the snow. It was so awesome. It, I felt so cozy, actually, in that moment. And the second experience happened here. So here's a bit of a little clip coming. And I will talk through the clip. And uh, like it, bowl? <laughs> Good, go in silence. So, um, as you know, that is the Storm Rivers Bridge, and the Blober, the 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 Blokerons bungee jump um, areas here. And those guys, the the bungee jump team was was amazing. They are so professional, but so friendly. They make you feel safe. You can see they're doing checks the whole time. But the big thing is they don't waste time. All right, they it's it's there. He just told me something, he says, hold on, and there I started shatting my pants because then you can see what, 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 where you're going to dive into, and there they shout, and there I go. So the moment between the bridge and where the rope took, I was blank. All right, that's where death actually, I think, <laughs> makes you blank. But the moment I started swinging between heaven and earth, there was again this silence that I experienced that I could not believe. And it was this whooshing sound, you know, the swooshing sound. And obviously, I broke it with a woohoo, you know. But, but that was the most amazing moment. So, yeah. So, yeah. And that, that just gives you a bit of a perspective. It's obviously, it's the highest bungee jump, 222 meters. I like doing stuff like that. So, don't ask me how it was. So, <laughs> I'll tell you to go. All right, but what if you don't experience silence like I did in these two adventures? It's funny how I experienced the most magnificent si um, silence in adventures. What if the silence becomes so deafening? that it troubles your head and it breaks your heart. So the tough question that I'm tackling today is, what does God's silence mean? Because that was the question we got. 
And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, is it really golden? You know, because silence is golden. So I'm like, is it really golden? What does God's silence mean? Man, I wished I understood the context in which this person wrote this question down. Because it's loaded. It is loaded. What does God's silence mean? And being here gathered this morning, um, we are obviously going to refer to our Heavenly Father and he, when He goes silent on us. So when this happens to me, when there's a silence from, from, from God, um, I start actually getting a bit frantic. I start trying to recall every sermon I've ever been in, in any church or in any situation, any Sunday school discussion, anything. So if you're like me, you grab your Bible and try and break the silence with Scripture. And many times I stumble on Scriptures that scare the hell out of me, all right? Like the Psalm 66 says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, my Lord would not have listened. And at this point, it's, it's like my heart tightens up um, because all the sin starts just rushing back to me and I'm like, did I confess that, you know, have I really, um, you know, worked through this? Um, and then I think, maybe there's another scripture. All right, and then I start frantically paging the Bible again. Then I get to Job 30, and it says, I cry to you for help, and you not answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. And I'm like, oh, oh no, man. You know, and it's like, okay. All right, then surely I'm thinking, okay, but I'm not Job. I'm not Job. Um, Psalm 23, the, the default <laughs> The default verse, I go to Psalm 23, but then Psalm 22 catches your eyes and it says, Oh my God, I cry by day and you do not answer, and by night but I find no rest. Okay, so by now the guilt is weighing heavily on me. I'm even more deaf than it is, and I'm even questioning my faith at this stage. It's like, am I really a believer? Why can't I hear your voice? This is the only scriptures that's popping out at me is that, you know, I, you know, there's something, you know, going on with me. That's why I can't hear you. So then I go back to step one. I'm like, okay, let's start confessing sin. Let's, let's just start there. And I start rambling stuff down and everything. But the next day, the silence still prevails. So I am not sure, and I, and I hope many of you have also experienced this as I've experienced it. I hope I'm not alone in this. And, and we are still left, left with a question, what does God's silence mean? So let's dive into this question. And like any good person preparing for this, I started Googling. Okay. And, uh, I, ca I, and I came on a lot of quotes. And I'm going to read it with you because it's very interesting. The one says, silence is a gift. Learn to value its essence. And then the next one would say, my silence is just another word for my pain. All right. Then, silence is not the absence of something, but the presence of everything. And then the next thing is, silence is not golden. And then silence is an answer too. And the next one says, words may sting, but silence is what breaks the heart. You know, then it's silence calms my soul. And then my silence is not my weakness, but the beginning of my revenge. Then another one says, if a girl is silent, it, it's dangerous. She's either overthinking, tired of waiting, about to blow up, needs a hug, falling apart, crying inside, or all of the above. 
then the next one is quite scary. You realize the silent treatment is used by abusive personalities to control, punish, invalidate, and silence you. Then you get silence is better than bullshit. The next thing you get, silence is the most powerful scream. Then you get silence is the way to avoid many problems. And there were so many quotes, but the last one says, just a matter of time before silence convinces you you do not exist anymore. <laughs> so Googling was actually pff, a bit hectic because, I know, yeah, go back to the Bible now, yeah. So eventually I got you this quote, and Paul, if you can put that on for me, silence as a means of communication, as a means of miscommunication, and the power of pausing, and its positive and negative values and culture. So, and it dawned on me, this question, what does God's silence mean, must also be accompanied with this question. What is your past experiences with silence? What is your culture around silence? What is your baggage with silence? So let's think about it. If you've ever experienced a relationship um, where silence was a punishment, and you know we've all experienced this, someone goes silent on you, you don't know what you've done, you start putting stories in your head, you start assuming you don't know what you've done wrong, you start thinking, what must I do, what must I say, must I contact them, and you're in this frantic type of thing. So it always makes you wonder what you did wrong, the silence. And... Um, Imagine you've got that as a context. How do you see your heavenly father then when he goes silent on you? You see him as this narcissistic guy that is punishing you just by keeping silent because he wants you to feel guilty. All right. Or you might have been part of a relationship or a friendship where you guys can sit for hours next to each other. You don't say one word, but you feel loved, you feel cozy, and you actually know what's going on in the other person's head. And then how would you experience your Heavenly Father's silence? You would experience it as a deep love, as a warmness. Or, what if you are a driven person? You demand action because impatience is part of your attitude. And you, you are short... It's, it's, it's like you sort of look at heaven and you go, <laughs> I need an answer. You know, you're like, come on, come on. So you're sort of saying to the Lord, what's your problem? Where's the answer? Why are you so silent, you know? So, so I'm not actually answering the tough question at this stage, but I do want you to ponder after today on how you experience silence and why. Does it make you fearful or peaceful? Does it make you feel imp um, impatient or totally at ease? And maybe by answering these questions, you can get a step closer to the tough question. What, is it, what does God's silence mean? And maybe the silence will subside. A second attempt that I'm going to try talking about this tough question is, you know, when you listen to other people on how they heard the Lord's voice. Um, you know, I always wonder, okay, 
Okay, so they, they heard the, 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 the Lord's voice. And usually when I sit with a teenager and they're desperate for an answer, you know, when you were a teenager, you, you've got to get this answer from the Lord. He must give you the answer. Um, I asked the teenager, how do you think you are going to get the answer? And immediately they say, he's going to speak to me. And then my next question to the teenager is, how will he speak to you? What is your expectations? And they usually say, I'm going to hear his voice in my ears. Duh. You know, they're like, hmm. You know? And then at this point, I must remind them, every person is different. And God made each of us very unique. And he knows very well how you will listen to him in a different stage of your life, in a different time of your life. He will know how you can hear him. So sometimes I expect this thunderous voice in my ears. But once I experience within a split second a realization that just sank into my heart. It was, I, I always do this. Went like this. And I, and I, got, it, I got something in my mind. And I knew, ah, oh, that's him. So some call it a small voice. Others call it a sixth sense or a gut feeling. But it wasn't audible. It was definitely not audible. One friend of mine needed a very direct answer on a life decision he had to take. It was going left or right in his life, and it would have had massive consequences. And in a matter of about two weeks, he had three different conversations with completely different people that didn't even know of each other. And these people dropped key words in their conversation. And through this, he got confirmation. So the Lord wasn't silent. It was other people's key words that were dropped. Another friend of mine was down and out at one stage in her life, and she was sitting next to the sea. And at one stage, randomly, one dolphin started riding a wave and then disappeared. And, um, but within this moment, her silence was broken. So the most profound testimony I've heard of God's silence happened at a funeral on, you know, how you hear God's voice or when he's silent and he, and he eventually comes through. So the background to this funeral is, is, is extremely tragic. There's not a good ending to my story, so I'm just giving you a, yeah, there's not an and then happily ever after. It's, it's still not there. So about five years ago, a friend of mine lost his wife after she had their second child. About two weeks, the child was two weeks and she died of, of a, a clot in the lungs. It was complications after the birth. And it was horrific. You know, we were, and he was, now he had two kids and we had this funeral. It was the venue, um, you know, it was like a coffee shop where she was always there and it was the venue. And you gather at a funeral because you want closure, you want to get just, you you know, you want to get a bit warm and, you know, you want to feel better. And we did, you know, because he stood up and he said, she is with the Lord, I'm comfortable. You know, it was like that. And he said he's never going to marry again. But two years later, he said to his mentor one day, can I, can I fall in love again? And the mentor said, you can fall in love again. He gave him permission. So his heart was open. And he's um, testimony was the Lord actually put this lady in front of his door because they were looking for a photographer. 
and she was a photographer, and they fell in love, and it was just, and everybody knew about his story, and we were all just so celebrating, it was like amazing, and both, and they and I had a third child, a third son, and it was great. The one Sunday morning, they were driving back from a wedding, and they were on the end for just after the Al Zoo petrol station. He was driving, his wife was in the passenger seat, we think she was holding the baby, and her parents were at the back. And they were in a head-on-head collision. Her parents had injuries, but it was okay. Uh, I think the baby actually got flung out of the car, but babies sometimes are very resilient. And he had minor injuries. And my friend had a bad injury, had a very bad whiplash in his back, but his wife had severe, severe head injuries. So she had to be airlifted to the Middleburg Clinic. And the story spread because now you guys know, we know this is his second wife. He's like, come on, Lord, this can't happen again to this guy. How is he going to make it? So there were prayer chains going hectically, 24 hours. But on the Tuesday, he felt he wanted to be in the same room as his wife. So they wheeled his, chair, uh, his bed into, they were lying next to each other. And her family, I've never met, I've, I met them at the wedding they were these deep believing Christians that you, you cannot believe. She was one of five kids, the mom and the dad, so they were a big family, but each one of them were deeply convinced and convicted by the Lord. Some of them were musicians, one was a missionary, you know, that, so they were these. And anyway, they were standing around her bed and they were singing praises to the Lord and they were praying. And while they did this, she passed away. And it was just... Horrific. It was heartbreaking. So now I'm driving back to this area and we're sitting again in this coffee shop because the funeral is there again and it's like deja vu. And I'm thinking, what? I'm so sorry. <laughs> There's no answer to this. So we were sitting there and um, again the, the, the brothers and sisters stood up and sang praises, hands in the air, and, and they were just they just had this peace on their faces. But their mom and dad stood up that were in the accident, and the mom said, the moment my daughter passed away, God went silent. I could not sleep that night constantly saying, Lord, where are you? Why are you so silent on me now that I need you? So we left Middleburg, and as we got home, we were flooded with messages, and our house started filling up with people. Some people brought food, others helped with the arrangements, some just hugged us. And I realized God was never silent. He is speaking through all of these messages and the people. And that was my moment in the funeral. So experiencing our Heavenly Father's voice is not always in the way you would expect. That's actually what I want to get to. <laughs> it can be a verse. It can be a little realization. It might be a gut feeling that you had. You do the wrong thing and you go back and you're like, ah, he, did. He, 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 he was not silent all the way. It can be nature that speaks to you. It can be a hug. And it can even be a plate of food. So... God's silence might not be silent at that stage. So a third attempt to answer this tough question, that was the second attempt. The third attempt to answer this question is what does, what does God's silence mean 
is I must have to ask you another question. Have you ever practiced to be silent? And for longer than 20 seconds? <laughs> and when I chose this, 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 um, this, this question, I said to Han, man, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to open up with prayer, tell everybody, everybody to go silent for the next 20 minutes and say amen. And I'm sure you'll get the sermon like this. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But I don't know about you. I grew up in a culture where we did not practice silence. Now, if I obviously say that, you can immediately think maybe, you know, um, the Asian culture, you know, they've got this way of being silent. They know how to be silent. Even trying to, to have quiet time in the high school, it just made me feel guilty. I, I could never get that right. And now, I mean, we are inundated with social media. I call it the digital pollution. There's never time for silence. All right. And Celeste and Gerd, <laughs> now with, <laughs> with that beautiful boy, I, don't th I think silence is like a distant memory for you guys. Am I right? <laughs> ah, there we go. There we go. And that's where they break. <laughs> With kids, it's fair. <laughs> yes, silence. Yes, it's very true. <laughs> so, so, so my question is, how long ago have you sat in silence? And if you did, how long did it last? Is becoming silent a practice in your life? Because sometimes you need to be silent to be able to hear. So maybe today I just should have, you know, obviously said, let's just go silent. And I think our brains would have exploded, eh? <laughs> All right. But lastly, again, I, it's, it's a last attempt to try and answer the tough question, is did you know that a deep relationship uses and understands silence very wisely? I'm going to repeat that again. A deep relationship uses and understands silence very wisely. If you think you and your best friend or your life partner, you know each other very well. And um, it just didn't happen, you know. You had conversations, you had arguments, you laughed together, you cried together. Um, you studied each other. You know, you know, what this person likes, dislikes, opinions, and so forth. So why do you see your relationship with your Heavenly Father any different? If you spend time with the Lord, you get to know the following the very character of him. You start to trust his promises. You believe and hold on to his confessions of love, and you understand his reprimands. So in times of silence, you can recall his love. So when you do go silent, this will flood back to you. You can recall his love because you know and trust it. You can recall his promises for you, and his presence will then be with you. An amazing example of this was Mother Teresa, and I have teached on this, I think, a year or so ago. And she experienced complete silence from 1946 until 1997. She heard the Lord's voice tell her in a train, you must go and serve the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. And she started doing that in 1946. That was 1946 she heard the voice. 
She started that in 1946, and she never, ever heard the Lord's voice again until the day she died. Mother Teresa. But what made her keep on keeping on? I came to the conclusion she knew the character of her God. She knew he loves her. She knew he, she had grace with him. She knew she had purpose for him on earth. 1946 to 1997, and we start crying like two-year-olds when we don't hear his voice. <laughs> so, I don't think I've directly answered the toughest question. <laughs> what does God's silence mean? But, I have challenged you in the following. What is your baggage about silence? Why do you think you must hear his voice in a certain way? Can you be silent long enough? And is your relationship growing deeper with the Lord that you can trust his character and promises in complete silence? Let's pray. Yerabaya Danki. Dat i Ek sê altyd, Heer, ek begin altyd dier te default en te sê, Heer, dankie dat u ons eerste lief gehad het. Heer, want as het nie daarvoor was, en het ons nie vandag hier gesit he. Want ons is idiots, Heer, ons sou u nie eerste gekies het nie. Maar dankie dat u ons gekies het. En dankie dat u ons besieu. En Heer, dankie dat ons in vandag kan besef, Heer, maar u karakter, u beloftes, overraad enige, enige stilte. Maar Heere, dankie, laat ons verstaan, dat selfs Jesus, toe hy op aarde was, stilte moes gaan soek het, om met u sy verhouding te verdiep. En Heere, wees ons om het nie te doen nie. Heere, baie dankie, dat ons vandag kan besef, dat in stilte is u daar, u is altyd daar. Maar dankie Heere, dat ons hier die vraag kan vraag, en dat u groot genoeg is om het te kan handel. Want Heere, dankie dat u die Seen op die kruis laat sterven, dat ons weet, u het ons lief. En dat ons, as ons u kies Heere, dat ons enig saam met u, stilte, kan beleef. Heere, ons bid, dat um, u saam met ons sal wees, en dat ons rustig sal raak, en peaceful sal raak in die stilte. En Heere, dat u met ons sal praat, soos ons harte dit sal ontvang in die tyd. Dankie Heere, dat... Um, dat hij net awesome is en dat hij groot genoeg is hier. En dat hij ons koning is, ons buig voor u. Ek bid het in Jesus Christus' naam. Amen. Dat is hy julle, dit is dit.